last time I spoke at Forest Town, I was on video. I don't know if any of you guys remember that. So it's been a little while since I've been here live and in person. I'm very excited. I get excited about being at church. Do you guys get excited about that? Yes, good. Good. Um, all right, so I'm going to do something I've never done before ever uh, at Forest Town that you probably have never done before this morning, but we're going to try this, okay? I'm going to ask two questions of you, and what I want you to do is I want you to turn to a, your neighbor, a spouse, a friend, just one other person. I want you to talk about your answers to these two questions. I'm going to give you two minutes for two questions for two people. Does that make sense? You're all freaking out right now. I have to talk to someone? Yeah, even if it's your spouse, you can talk to them. It's fine. All right, two questions, two people for two minutes. Ready? Here we go. Here's the two questions. First question is, what is the gospel? Oh, hey, Kay. First question is, what is the gospel? Second question, who is the gospel for? First question, what is the gospel? Second question, who's the gospel for? I'm going to give you two minutes for two people. Find a person. Can't do it by yourself. Even if it's your spouse, you got two minutes. Go. Talk. Converse. All right, here we go. Bring it back in. Two people, two minutes, two questions. First question is, who's, I'm going to do it opposite. Who's the gospel for? Yes, that's, I believe that's the right answer, people. Good job. You got it. Gold star. A star right there. John 3.16 says, for God so loved who? The world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting, eternal, forever and ever amazing life. The gospel is for everyone. I want you to remember that phrase because it's going to come up through this talk. The gospel is for everyone, okay? Second question is, what is the gospel? What are we talking about? I know it's, that's a harder one to say in one word, right? Jesus, yes, okay, yes, you got it right, it's Jesus. I'm going to quote uh, Romans 5.1, which says this, that since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through Christ. How about that? Is that a good definition? Because we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. Now, here's an interesting thing about the word peace. The word peace is used almost 500 times in the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the Old Testament, it's shalom, right? And it means more than just the absence of conflict. It means way more than that. It's much bigger than that. Sometimes we think the gospel is a golden ticket to get to heaven, right? It's just, it's salvation. It's a, we get a golden ticket. It's like Willy Wonka. You guys seen Willy Wonka? Willy Wonka sent out five gold. If you haven't seen it, who has not seen Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory? Anybody? So there's only two people in the room that don't know what I'm talking about. Clive, you've never seen. Will sort this out today, my friend. Sort it out today. Okay. <laughs> Have you never seen it either, Ant? Okay, you and Clive hang out and watch Willy Wonka today. You just sort yourselves out. People, you need to see Willy Wonka or read it, even better. But here's the point, right? Here's the point. Uh, Willy Wonka sends out these five golden tickets. Charlie gets one of these golden tickets. He thinks at the end that he's won a lifetime supply of chocolate. And Willy Wonka's like, oh, my friend, 
Yes, 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 you get the chocolate. But it's so much bigger. It's so much more. You don't just get the chocolate. You get the whole factory. You get all the secret recipes. You get the in. You get to shape this and be part of it for the rest of your days. So much bigger, right? That's what the gospel is. Some people think it's a golden ticket that I just get to go to heaven and, and that's it. But it's not just that. The word shalom or peace that we're talking about means wholeness. It means completeness. It means harmony. It means hope. It means the things the way they were supposed to be are going back to the way they were before when God first created everything. It means that things are being reconciled. It means unity. It means rightness. It means, I'm tr- I was trying to think of a picture of what it would look like today, and the, and the first thing that came to my mind was a wedding. I was at Andrew and Robin's wedding celebration the other day, and I told Alex I would mention him that, yes, Alex gave a great best man speech. Yes, he's, there you go, Alex, shout out to you, my friend. It was, it was decent. I'm not saying it was the best one ever, but it was okay. But it was, uh, it was, but he was honoring, oh, better than the preach. Wow, okay. That was helpful. <laughs> But what he was doing, he was honoring Robin and Andrew, right? And everybody there was celebrating them and honoring them. And there was unity and there was joy and there was celebration. And that's the picture of shalom, right? That's the picture of joy, being together, loving one another, wholeness, completeness, unity. And the fact that you can even do this with each other, you can... I don't know what we just did there, but it was, it was okay. Because we still love each other, right? It's just part of the whole banter. It's a joy to do that. And that's what shalom is. And that, by the way, is what the gospel is. It's not just a golden ticket. It's not just a lifetime supply of chocolate. It's so much bigger than that, right? It's so much bigger than that. And we've already determined who is the gospel for? Everybody, right? So that's the context of what we're getting into when we talk about this passage in 1 Peter. Now, just a reminder of where we are to get us up to date. Peter has written a letter. Peter is in Rome, and this is about 62 A.D., and this blew my mind as I was thinking about it this week. The church, he's writing this letter to the, to the church, the believers that are, that are dispersed all throughout what is modern-day Turkey, And the church is only 30 years old. I want you to think about that for a minute. The church that was formed when Jesus, after his resurrection, and he he leaves, is only 30 years old. And it has spread across the Roman Empire. It's all over the place. And Christians are dispersed and forming churches all across this empire. Thousands and thousands, and it's growing all the time. And he's writing a letter to these, these Christians, and he's talking to them about how they should live their life now that they've found Christ. And they have this newfound freedom. And, and he says this, this is just a reminder from last week, he says this to them. He says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, 
a people for God's possession, that you may proclaim the excellency, excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He's letting them know, here's who you are now in Christ. You are a royal priesthood, a chosen nation. You are special to God. You have been called by God. You are his people. You have been adopted into his family. He's letting them know who they are. Powerful, right? And then he says this to them. He says this. He says, now, keep your conduct. This is verse 12. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. I'm going to read this again. This is from the message. I'm hoping this gives it a little bit uh, more of a today speech. It says this, live, ready for this? This is 1 Peter 2, verse 12. Live an exemplary life in your neighborhood so that your actions will refute their prejudices against you. Then they will be won over to God's side and he and be there to join in the celebration when he arrives. This is our calling. This is what he was telling them to do, and by the way, it's what he's telling us to do. You are a royal priesthood, a chosen nation, favored of God, children of God, adopted into his kingdom. And because of that, here's what I want you to do. I want you to live an exemplary life, above reproach, full of integrity. I want you to live a life that people, they look at you and they go, that person I can trust. Right? That person is filled with integrity. I can trust them. I can talk to them. I believe what they say. I want to be like them. Listen, I work with young people all across the United Kingdom. And you know what young people need? The, the young people that just went upstairs the 11, 12, all the way up to 18-year-olds need, you know what they need? They need role models. They need heroes that aren't football players. People that they can trust. People they can model their life after. People that they can go, this person I trust. I believe. I want to be around this person. I want to be like this person. I want to dress like this person. Right? That's what he's calling us to do. He's saying live your life in an exemplary way way. And here's the reason why. So that people will see you and they will come to God's side. In other words, so they will hear and respond to the gospel. Why? Because the gospel is for who? Everyone. The gospel is for who? Everyone. Live your life in such a way that you are presenting the gospel every day. With just the way you live your life. Right? That's what we're called to do as a royal priesthood, as a chosen nation, that we live our life in such a way that honors God, that people see it and they go, I want to be like them. Whatever it is they got, I want that. I need that. Guys, it's living a countercultural, revolutionary, dramatically different than the rest of society life is what we're talking about here. We're talking about doing something that most people won't do. But we do it to honor the Lord. We do it to model to our children, this is what it looks like to follow and love Jesus. We do it to our neighbors so they go, tell me more about this faith that you have. Now, Peter is writing this to these folks who are dispersed 
in a country that they didn't grow up in. Some of them, right? He's writing it to people who are ruled over by the Roman Empire, right? So they, they don't have the freedom to just travel like we do. They can't just go to some other country if they feel like it. There are rules and restrictions on their life, and they are being dominated over by someone who doesn't care about them. They live in a culture with multiple languages, multiple religions, multiple beliefs, and they are on the fringe, and they are not in power at all. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's writing them, and he's saying, I want you to live this way in a place that's going to be hard for you to live. This is not going to be the norm. This is not going to be easy at all. Matter of fact, this is going to be really difficult, but this is how I want you to live your life. And the reason I want you to live your life this way is to honor God and because the gospel is for everyone. And if you will live your life this way, people will see something in you, Christ in you, and they're going to want it. You will convince people with your life because you are full of integrity. Does that make sense? So that's where we're at. That brings us to where we are right now. The gospel is for everyone. So then we get to verse 13. I have, I don't know if you guys noticed, I didn't bring my little baby Bible. I brought this big bad boy because my I, I got, I need big letters now to see. The little letters are out. You the same? I understand why they have those giant family Bibles. You know those giant family Bibles? I, under, I get that now. <laughs> the people reading them were like 90. Okay. It's like seven words a page, you know. It's like, <clears throat> anyway, that's what I need. I don't know if anybody else needs that. Here we go. Verse 13. He's about to tell us three things. He's about to tell us what he wants us to do, the practical response to where we're at. He's about to tell us why he wants us to do it, and then he's about to tell us how we're supposed to do it, right? That's what's about to happen. What, why, and how. I'm so Please, that Peter gives us practical things to do. This is what he says. First of all, verse 13, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those to do good. So let's stop there. That's the first thing. Be subject to every human institution for the Lord's sake. What does that mean? Well, be subject means you are now choosing to submit yourself to the authorities that have been placed into your life because the Lord wants you to do it and because it honors the Lord. That's the first thing he tells us to do. Be subject to the authorities that have been placed in your life because the Lord wants you to do it and because it honors the Lord. Every human institution that's a teacher, you go to school and you got a teacher or teachers. That's authority that's been placed in your life. That's the police. That's your local town council. That's the government. The over, you know, that's the MPs, the prime minister. He is saying, and he's saying it in a context again. Do you know who the emperor is at this point that he's that's in power while he's writing this? Nero. You know what Nero's famous for? Killing Christians. And he's saying, be subject to the emperor, Nero. 
and all the other authorities that have been placed in your life because it honors the Lord and because, uh, because it's, we want them to understand the difference. We want them to see the gospel, right? The Lord has called us to do it. It honors him, and, it, and we're doing the things that he wants us to do. It makes, it makes a difference. He has called us to submit to our authorities. Now, for some of us, that's easy, right? For some of the people in our lives who are authorities, that's easy. We go, Aunt and Helen are authorities here at Forest Town Church. And we go, submit to their authority, no problem. We know Aunt and Helen. We love Aunt and Helen. We, want, we are friends with Aunt and Helen. So to submit to their authority, we go, easy. But there's some other authorities in our life, right? That's hard. I mean, I, I've heard us talk about, you know, people talk about Boris Johnson, and they talk about him and with a tone, a sneer, a dislike. And yet Scripture is very clear. Honor your authorities. Matter of fact, it goes on to say this. It says honor every person. Honor every person. Do you know what that word honor means? It means to treat with dignity and respect. Every single person that's in your life, including the authorities that you may or may not appreciate, agree with. The Lord has called us to do this. Matter of fact, the next verse says this. He he tells us why. He says, verse 15, for this is the will of God that we would honor these, that we'd subject ourselves to these stories, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Again, he's saying that we are living out the gospel. And when we submit ourselves to our authorities, we are honoring God and we are living out the gospel amongst people. Because why? The gospel is for, guess what? The gospel is for Boris Johnson. God looks at Boris Johnson and and he says this, I sent my son to die on a cross for Boris Johnson, for Donald Trump. Whatever you may think about these men or women who are in power, God sees them precious enough that he says, I came and gave my life for you. Every single person, we talk about governments or authorities or corporations and we keep them distant when we talk about them like, oh, that government or that authority or that corporation, guess what? Those, ple- those places are made up of people. They're not just anonymous people. They're people that God knows and God loves. And the gospel is for them. And God is calling us to live a life in such a way that they will see the gospel lived out in our lives. We said at the beginning, the gospel is for everybody. The question really is this, do you believe that? Do you live your life in such a way that the gospel is for everyone? Do I live my life in such a way that the way, the way I respond to people, the way I talk to people, the way I write about people, that I treat them with respect? So here's the thing. We treat somebody with respect not because they've earned it or not even because they deserve it. We treat someone with respect because God loves them. Because they were made in his image. And the gospel is for them. And because our Heavenly Father has called us 
to treat them with respect. Everything we say about another person, everything we write about another person, everything we do about another person should be done with respect, with dignity. Everything to every person. Honor everyone. That's what we're called to do by our Heavenly Father. I'm guessing some of you are sitting right now thinking, that's crazy hard. You feel that way? At times, when you get mad about something, you go, I don't like this person. Yeah, that's the point. (laughs) You're not going to like everybody. I said this to someone the other day. I said, it's okay if not everybody likes you. And the the person I was talking to was like, no, that's not okay. I'm like, it is. It's okay. You're not going to like everyone, and they're not going to all like you. But that's not the point. The point is, they are precious to God. And the gospel is for everyone. And our heartbeat should be that every person has a chance to come to know the Jesus that we know. Every person. Sorry, I get so fired up, I lose my voice every time I do this. Does that make sense? What we've been called to do is submit ourselves to the authorities, including the emperor or the president or the prime minister. Not only that, but we've been called to honor them, to treat them with respect. Here's how you can honor your leaders, right? You want to honor Aunt and Helen? Here, I'll, give you, I'll give you a couple practical examples. Pray for them regularly. These guys... I was just in the States meeting with a lot of pastors. I don't know if you guys know this, but 50% of the pastors in America are ready to quit. They've surveyed them. 50% of the ministers in America, and I would guess in the UK as well, are on the verge of of bagging it because they feel so beat up. They get up in front of their congregations. I was talking to this one pastor of a church. He said, I get up in front of my congregation. I can't say anything right. It's so divisive right now in America. You've got COVID restrictions that are going on. You've got, you know, the the political things that are going on and immigration that's going on and Black Lives Matter that's going on and on and on and on and on. And the pastors stand up in front of their congregations, and if they lean in one direction just a little bit, they're going to hear it from one side of the group. They lean in that direction a little bit, they're going to hear it from the other side of the group. And the words that people say to them are not honoring. They're not respectful. They are hurtful. They're painful. I just did a devotional the other day with some folks, and uh, in Proverbs 18, you know what it says? It says there's life and death in our words, in the tongue. Did you know that? When I was growing up, they used to say sticks and stones will break our bones, but words will never hurt us. Wrong. Words are more powerful than any stick or stone. You can decide to write something on Twitter or on social media thinking you're just writing it into the ether and you say something because you're mad and guess what? It's painful. You are hurting people when you do that. Christians, I believe, should never do that. Ever. Every single person we have been called to honor, which means every single person, every single person, whether we agree with them or not, We are called to treat with respect. Every person. 
Every person we are, treat, we are called to treat with dignity. This is countercultural, by the way, and this is the way the Lord has chosen to win people over to his side, that we would be respectful, that we would treat people, that we would honor authority. Listen, when we honor authority, we honor the Lord. And when we dishonor authority, we dishonor the Lord. Because he said, this is my will, that you would treat them with respect, that you would honor the authorities that he has allowed to be put in place in that very moment. Do you have, does that make sense? We are never, ever, ever to mock, disparage our authorities, ever. There is no reason, there is no scriptural reason to ever do that. Are we okay to disagree? Absolutely. Are we okay to debate? You better believe it. Are we okay to question at times in the right way, in the right context? Yes. And Scripture talks about that. If you have an issue with someone, by the way, you know what Scripture says to do? It doesn't say post it on social media. You know what it says? It says if you have an issue with someone, talk to them. That's what the scriptural response is. Not talk about them. Guys, I'm talking to myself, okay? I'm not just talking to you. I'm talking to me. We are supposed to live a countercultural, revolutionary, dramatically different way than everybody else lives because the gospel is for everyone. And guess what? The gospel, we get to share it with our lives. Thank you, Aunt. Aunt keeps sharing me on. You guys can do that as well. Anytime you want, if you're going to be like, praise the Lord, that's good, whatever, just keep saying it, that's good. This, see, that's what I'm saying. Let's go. They told me this was a charismatic church. Let's go. Let's get charismatic about it. So then he says this. He says, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living. You ready for this? He's like, you have this massive amount of freedom as a Christian, but here's how I want you to live. Ready? He says this. I want you to live as servants of God. That's how we're supposed to live our life. He tells us we are a royal priesthood, a chosen nation. We are sons and, and daughters of the living God, that we are loved completely. We are gifted. All of these things. And then he says, now I want you to live as a servant, which is just parallel to what Jesus did in Philippians chapter 2, right? When it says, don't just look out for your own interests, but also look out for the interest of others. Consider others more important than yourself. And then it goes on to talk about that's what Jesus modeled for us. Here's how we're supposed to live our lives. If you want it to be practical, you become and live your life as a servant to the people around you. That's how we live our lives. Be generous. Be the most generous person that you know with your time, with your words, with your energy. Be the most generous person that you know. If you want to get people around you to be generous, start with yourself. I tell young people this all the time. If you want a great friend, you talk to young people all the time, they're lonely, and they want great friends, right? You come to uni, you're, you're desiring great friends, right? You come to university from all over the world, and you're thinking, I just want a great friend. You know what I tell young people? If you want a great friend, be a great friend, right? Start with you. If you're hoping somebody's going to be generous, then you be generous, with your words and your time and your energy. Serve other people. Look for opportunities to serve, to get stuck in. 
Instead of complaining about the problems, be a part of the solution to fix them, right? Let's kill the complaining, and let's start helping and serving and loving. This is what God's called us to do. He finishes it up with this. It says this, verse 17. I think we have it. Do we have verse 17? Come on. That's from a completely different version than I have, but that's okay. Honor everyone. Honor everyone or show proper respect to everyone. That one, I want you to go away with just that today, okay? Every single person you come across, we are to show proper respect. When you're going through the checkout line at Tesco, show respect to the person checking you out. Right? Everywhere you go, when you go to your classes and you have a teacher that drives you crazy, show them the proper respect because you are doing, you are sharing the gospel when you do that. Every single person you come across, show the proper respect. Then he says this, love the family of believers. Here's your family. This is your brothers and sisters in Christ right here. Did you know that? This is your family. And by the way, you're also, your family is extended. It's all over the planet Earth. It's in every country on the planet Earth. You have family. You have brothers and sisters in Christ on every continent. Love them. Here's simply what that means. When you come to church on a Sunday or you're in your small group or you're coming on a Sunday night or doing something else, figure out a way. Look around the room and think, who needs encouragement? Who needs a hug? I'm a hugger. I like to hug people. Who needs a high five, a note of encouragement, a prayer. When you come to church on a Sunday morning, here's a challenge for everybody. You're listening? You with me, Alex? Mr. gave me a hard time earlier. I love you. You're the best. There you go. That's it. That's it right there. That's how Christians are supposed to operate. You're the best. No, you're the best. No, you're the best. No, you're the best. No, you're the best. That's how we live our life right there. Come to church on a Sunday and don't think about, I hope they do my favorite songs. Johnny. Uh, Don't come like that. Come to church going, who looks like they need somebody to pray for them? Look around the room. Who looks like they don't know anybody? Who can I go and make sure they know just how glad I am that they're here today? Because here's something I've learned. 56. I'm 56. Did you guys know that? I'm old. Er. Not as old as Clive. Woo! It's going to stay that way. I'm not catching him, but I love him. Here's the thing. Ready? Everybody, listen to me. Everybody in this room is fighting a battle. When you come upon somebody, you need to understand that everybody is fighting a battle right now. Everybody is. Somebody's got a great friend who just had a heart attack, that's me, and is in ICU, and we're hoping he's going to make it through it. We're praying for it. Somebody in the room has cancer. Somebody in the room just broke up with their boyfriend or their girlfriend, or their parents just broke up, or they just lost a grandparent, or they have, they're running out of money. Everybody in this room is fighting a battle. The last thing we need to do is come in here and think just about me, me, me. Our job is to honor one another to love one another. Love the brotherhood. When you come on a Sunday, look for somebody to love. 
That should be your goal every Sunday and every time you have home group. Yeah? Okay, let's keep going. Fear God. Fear God. Listen, when we honor our authorities, we are fearing God. We are honoring the Lord. Honor your authorities. Trust him. Listen, the parties are going to change, right? Democratic Party, Republican Party, conservatives, Lib Dems, they're going to come and they're going to go. And guess what? Getting one person elected is not going to change the whole world. Not going to happen. But at the end of the day, what doesn't change? The Lord is in charge of it all. And he changes, not by who's the prime minister, he changes the world through us. Being and living out the gospel. Because the gospel is for who? Everybody on the planet Earth. The gospel's for all of them. I hope when you leave here today, that sticks in your brain. The gospel's for everybody. And I'm living out the gospel right now. Right now. Finally, it says, it's crazy he finishes it with this, but it says, honor the emperor. He finishes this whole passage by saying, you know this guy Nero? Honor him. Who, in other words, whoever is in charge at the moment, at the moment, it will change. Honor them right now. Don't mock, disparage, write about in a negative way. Pray for. Treat with respect. Listen, when we do that, we honor the Lord. That's part of fearing the Lord. We honor him. It is his methodology, ready, for changing the whole world one person at a time. Because the gospel is for everybody. It's not just a golden ticket. It's unity. It's harmony. It's, it's so much bigger. It's purpose. It's reconciliation. It's the ability to be friends with somebody that no one thinks you could possibly be friends with. Listen, the Christian faith is everywhere, on every, in every country on the planet Earth. And that's exactly what the Lord wants. So think about this today. How are you going to honor the people around you? How are you, how, how you going to honor the people who are in authority over you? And how are you going to honor the Lord? I work with young people. You guys know that. You know what gets me out of bed in the morning? Besides having to go to the loo? Here's what gets me out of bed every morning. There's a generation out there of young people I was talking about this earlier, who need role models. They need men and women like you and me to lead the way, to be people of integrity, to show them what it looks like to really love the Lord. That's what, the, that's what our kids need. They need that so much. You know, in, in St. Albans, there's about 15,000 11 to 18-year-olds. Did you know that? Where our church is, there's about 15,000, and less than 1% of them are involved in a church somewhere. Do you guys know that? Less than 1%. means there's 14,800, 700 
that don't know anything about Jesus. You think we have some opportunities? You think some people need to hear the gospel? Yes. Everywhere around you, in every single school, and every single community, the Lord needs us, wants us to participate in sharing that gospel with these young people, the next generation. That's what gets me up in the morning. It also gets me up in the morning because I got three of them, three teenagers. Well, two teenagers and a tweenager living in my house. And you know what I want? I want them to think their dad is Superman. I want them to think I'm brave, even though I'm not at times. I want them to think I'm cool. I'm zero, not cool in their world, and that's okay. But I want them to love Jesus all of their days more than anything. That's what I want. So I need your help. Let's model together what it looks like to love Jesus. Can we do that? Love each other. I got to stop. I'm, I'm having way too much fun. Thank you for letting me come preach. I'm going to pray, and then you're going to come up. Yeah, and then Ant's going to fix anything I didn't say correctly. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, so much for loving us. Thank you for today. Thank you for this message, the gospel is for everyone, and we get to help share that. We get to participate in the gospel going out to the whole world. God Almighty, we need you. We choose to submit to you, and by choosing that, we then choose to submit to the authorities that you've placed in our life. Because they need Jesus too. So we're praying for them. And we will treat them with respect. We will honor everyone. That is our goal and our heartbeat. Jesus, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.